Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in to the PWF Empire podcast. Jay here along with Lucas, Dalton, and Justin. That's a name that you don't hear too often on the podcast or at all, but he is here tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is true. This is the first time that you've been on the PWF Empire podcast, right? Yep. First time ever. Maybe last. Who knows? It we'll probably see. will. Knowing me, usually <laughs> I start something and then it just ends abruptly. So, yeah, right. just, just <laughs> like your tenure as a host on the, the, the SmackDown review. Yep, two PWTR SmackDown review. You name it, the <laughs> colossal failure. But I love it. Let's so. go for a three peat tonight. Okay, it's good. Four <laughs> it's my quadruple peat. <laughs> Shit, I, even I'm losing track of how many times you've been yep. fired. How many times you hire and fire me? It's it's all kinds of just- fun. Justin is the Kenny of this program. Yep, I'm always dying, but I always keep coming back. <laughs> or Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, who for some reason can never go away. Mm. Hey, do you want them to go away, though? Yes. Yes. Well, Stephanie, she can stay away, but as far as Triple H is concerned, he's he's good and... I thought Stephanie you know, was your girl, man. What the hell happened? Not anymore. I've realized the... I, I wouldn't necessarily say the error in my ways. It's just that Stephanie, <laughs> she's really good in Small doses. Dosis. But this whole authority thing and sometimes the way that she beats down talent, it gets to the point where it's like, I can't really take this anymore. And this most recent run of hers, it's just been like, whatever. Like I, I really don't like seeing her on tv if i'm being completely honest and most of my love for the mcmahon's and that mcmahon hemsley faction it came from the time back when i started watching wrestling because i started in 1999 mm-hmm. that year i believe at the end of 1999 was when stephanie turned heel on vince and yep. the quote-unquote marriage between her and triple h you know they 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 were all in it together, and, you know, it started the whole McMahon-Helmsley faction. That was a great time in wrestling, but now, I don't know. It it, it just gets to a point where it's too much, and you kind of wonder, what can they do outside of telling stories with authority figures and things like that? So I, I, I'd like to see them try that a little bit more, and I don't know. Maybe we're going in that direction once again because we have this thing on Raw with... Corey Graves jumping up from the commentary table, running backstage to Kurt Angle and saying that there was some information that could possibly ruin him. And people are speculating now that this is signaling the return of Stephanie McMahon to WWE TV. This, this sucks. Well, no, actually, no, I I like it. No, no, here's what I'm going to say. I like it, but the idea of it being the authority is what I meant sucks. And my first initial reaction was, is this CNN? Because all CNN does is report leaks and information and, you know, oh, is Donald Trump colluding with Russia? But th- this is what this sounded like. What, like, what the hell? Kurt, Kurt Angle has some dirty laundry? What, what, what is this? I mean, he does, but I'm curious. Oh, yeah, from those days in TNA? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. There's How a lot many, of stuff uh, out there. Does he have on his record? <laughs> He's like got a bunch. I, I mean, we we know all of that though. So, yeah. What's I mean, new? I'm curious. I'm curious to know what could they possibly do to twist this around. The only way I would be interested is if is if this has something to do with 
like a new star debuting on Raw, like somebody from NXT. Please, just let this be something new and fresh. I'm tired of the same old shtick with the authority coming back after two or three months. Like, is that even cool anymore? I, I've gotten to the point where it's whatever. It, it hasn't whatever. been cool for a while. It yeah, and cool. I, I, I'm honestly not going to be happy or jump on this bandwagon if Triple H and Stephanie McMahon roll around by SummerSlam time and they're like in a big summer angle with Kurt Angle. Like, no, I'm sorry. I, that's, I know they're big names and whatnot and they're the McMahon family, but I just don't give a shit anymore. I still want Triple H versus Shane at SummerSlam. No. I want to die at WrestleMania. What are you think no, about? Well, that should have happened last year. No, no. Listen, Shane doesn't want to be there, so why not have a way to ride him out of there, kind of thing, and have it Triple H versus Shane? They fight over who's the most. I think it could be interesting story dynamics there. That should have happened last year, not this. Instead of Taker, but then he had a phrase. I, I agree. Thirty-two would have been the great time to do it, but Triple H was caught up in a feud with Roman Reigns, and you know, so I agree. But oh, yeah, I we really like needed that feud to happen. So yeah. I mean, we're still coordinating Roman Reigns three years in a row. It feels, <laughs> but it is what it is but i i can say that i appreciate the fact that wwe is trying to do something different and and telling this story it it was very interesting because i'm sitting there and i could see michael cole and booker t they're talking and Corey graves is just consumed with whatever is on his phone he gets up and he runs to the back i'm like what the hell is going on here and yeah <laughs> They're building a storyline very clearly from this, and they are venturing outside of the norm of what WWE yeah. does. That's but a good thing. if it leads to the same old shit, it's it, it's like a new road to the same destination. That's going to be a problem, especially when that same destination is something that I do not care to uh, see at this point. Yeah, it doesn't just because it's something new doesn't mean that the means we get to is necessarily. Uh, paying off in any way and I thought it was outside of the norm too because you would never really see a commentator doing something that out of character like especially mm -hmm. not paying attention to the camera so they deliberately did it in a way to grab your attention and that I like but it, it does beg the question like okay so what reason do we have to trust Corey Graves with the information he was told like what reason does anybody if it is an authority character what in the past have we seen that could indicate that uh, either Triple H or Stephanie are in good with Corey Graves because he's never had an on-screen role with either of them. And so I respect the fact that they chose somebody out of the blue and that they caught our attention with it. But if that was the, the end goal, then yeah, I, I don't really enjoy it. I wasn't even looking that deeply into it. I actually hadn't heard that leak before. I honestly thought it was just a way to um, throw a new character into uh, Enzo being beat down every week. I honestly thought that it was just going to be revealed that Maybe Corey Graves had information as to why Enzo kept getting beat down. Um, so clearly I wasn't looking at it as well as I should have. I don't know. This whole thing, it'll, it'll be interesting just to sit back and see how they get from point A to point B. Nice start, but as I said, if it's a different road to the same destination, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, do, I do appreciate that they're doing something different, as you said, Jay. Like, they're actually taking the time to give Corey Graves a different role other than being on commentary, which is rightfully deserved, in my opinion. Corey, great. Corey Graves is a great personality. He's a great character. I mean, the guy was a former wrestler. Why not utilize him in other areas where he could succeed at? I mean, his his talking is like his biggest strength and, and his A-game. So the fact that they're letting him talk more, show more of his uniqueness, 
to be entertaining as far as Mike's skill ability is concerned and whatnot, it's great. I think it fits him perfectly. I just don't know where this is going, though. Like, who, what, who would want to potentially contact Corey Graves? And if it is Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, why would they go to him? You know, so, <laughs> I mean, that's why... Because he's an thing. NXT guy? That's the only... Triple really H, I can think yeah, Triple H got that storyline now with every NXT guy being a Triple H guy, and it's... She's going to get to the point where, who is he going to feud with? The whole freaking company is going to be NXT. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, that's why everyone's that's, in NXT. That's why, yeah, that's why at some point, like, this whole NXT thing has to stop, because, I mean, it's just going to become a myth basically like oh because you're in NXT you're a Triple H guy no that doesn't fucking mean you're a Triple H guy I mean Vince McMahon had people coming from WCW to WWE did, did that mean they were Eric Bischoff guys like no <laughs> so eventually <laughs> this has to change here you know why would you wish um, that unfortunate fate on anybody to be an Eric oh. Bischoff guy <laughs> well I'm just saying that's how stupid this sounds like oh because you came from this brand you're automatically attached to that person forever or that brand forever like mm-hmm. it, it's pretty I mean, stupid well, i mean you know who to blame for that description right paul who Heyman? was the first n- not paul Heyman, but who called themselves a paul Heyman guy the first time cm punk yeah <laughs> there you go you know who to blame. the first Heyman guy if we're being legit well because you count any of the ecw guys i guess they're technically paul Heyman guys even though they didn't get their paychecks in time but or ever <laughs> but uh, yeah, CM Punk was the catalyst for that, but I think the triple, it's not some, it's, managers have been a thing forever, though, so I can't really just pin that on CM Punk saying, oh, because uh, were you a uh, Bobby Heenan guy back in the day, you are just, I keep, I well, it's, it goes beyond just being a manager, though, it's talking about, like, backstage, you know, being an advocate for somebody and things like that. Okay. But, but going back to this Corey Graves thing, um, I also do like the other role he played with Enzo. I mean, not yeah, Enzo and Big Cass, because that, to me, is more interesting than the original uh, storyline with Kurt Angle. I don't know why, but for some reason, this whole possibility of uh, Big Cass turning heel, that sounds more interesting and more compelling of a storyline to me than anything involving Kurt Angle. Not for me. Because yeah, I feel like this... he's going to spill the end of Cass's career. Yeah. If they split him up from Enzo, he's done. Well, <laughs> he's the thing is, I'm looking at it from the perspective, what the hell are they going to do with Enzo? Are they going to put him on 205 Live? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, thing about, the, thing about, the thing about Enzo, I think he could survive because they could easily make him a He can't survive stick. backstage he, a week. He could be the new Santino Morello, though. He really he could be a spokesman. Yeah, he, oh. could, he, he, he could be a nice little spokesman. He can a be media. a spokesman. Guess for who? For big frigging cast. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, but, but, but in order for that, but in order for that to happen, big cast has to be a heel, and I don't think people would want to boo Enzo. Why you know would he I mean? need to be a heel for Enzo to be his manager? Yeah. Because um, think about it, big big cast as a baby face. I'm just not buying that. Like people are not gonna want to get behind a, a baby face. He's a baby big face cast. now. Because yeah. he's paired up with Enzo though. As a tag team, but I guarantee you, he, if Big Enzo Cass is basically his friggin' manager now already. Yeah, he's a hype man. No, he's but here's the difference. Proceedings. But here's but here's the difference, Jay. He's not Big Cass doesn't have a big role. He's basically just a tag team guy. If he no, were to get, if he were to muscle. if he were to be given a bigger role where he's going to be pushed and elevated, and and Enzo does nothing but talk for him, and he's no longer ever in the ring with him. Big Cass is going to get a push, and I don't know if the fans are going to get behind him with that. That's let what me, I mean. Like, Let me let you in on this little secret. 
if we lose the in-ring prowess of Enzo Amore, guess what? We aren't losing much. <laughs> yeah, victory. We are <laughs> not losing you. much because the dude I... wrestles like he's being punished anyway. Like Enzo is basically a manager who wrestles often. That's exactly what it what he is. Because I don't know if anybody has put the pieces together, but if you actually pay attention to an Enzo Amore match, they book him like he doesn't know how to wrestle. So if you notice when you get people like Paul Heyman, when they get punished and they get put into a match, um, you know, any any manager that gets put into a match as like a punishment or something like that, that is how Enzo is booked. And if you lose him as an in-ring competitor, you're not losing much. The transition from Enzo being Cass's tag team partner to his manager it could nearly be seamless. It it really could. And that's why I don't understand why WWE could possibly be considering splitting the two up. Because you want to talk about Big Cass falling flat. The dude recites Cannot his talk. damn promos like he's being held hostage. Have you ever seen movies where the hostages are reading off letters that their captors have wrote for them? <laughs> I am fine. Please do not worry. I am well fed. That's how he fucking does his promos. <laughs> he needs Enzo. He really does. So I maybe WWE sees something in him that I don't, but yeah. I mean, he's tall. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can't teach that. So, yeah. No, you can't teach that. And it's just like, it's the same principle with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Brock Lesnar has probably said maybe two lines since like two years, for two years now. All you need is for him to stand there. Paul, Enzo Mori to hype up the crowd and boom, you have a thing. And that could be a face roll too. Cause Paul Heyman did it when Brock was face too. So mm-hmm. I feel like it could be the same principle. It's just different kinds of promos. Like Paul Heyman's more, Oh, this is a beast of conqueror. Enzo's more like, yo, this is a big cast. And he has this quirky. No. Do no, exactly it's, it's what they're doing work. now. I'm telling you the it's transition, the transition from him being a partner to a manager we could barely tell the friggin' difference. I'm quite yeah, sure. I, I, I got to disagree with that, Jay, because it's going to become more, much more blatant and obvious that Big Cass is a single star. And What's fans, wrong with that? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that they have to have the perfect advocate. I don't think Enzo would be the perfect advocate to make Big Cass look like a threat because here's the thing. He's a big guy. You really think WWE is going to want to book him as a comedy act no they want to they want to book him up to be a serious deal like much like a brock lesnar and in order for that to happen you need somebody in that role who's going to represent him seriously that's why i think Corey graves fits that description much more better than uh enzo See, not everybody needs to be booked like that though because if you take into account what we have in wwe right now we have braun Strowman already we have brock lesnar already we have nia jackson the women's division we have um samoa joe big monster type people maybe you do need that little bit of a comedic edge to big cast not necessarily saying that the dude is going to be a comedian because the what i'm saying is the dynamic that exists between them right now it's good they can do the whole comedy role and big cast can still get into the ring wreck shop fuck some shit up and people still believe it. Like, they still pop when they see Big Kaz pull out the big boot and, you know, he's throwing people 
around like ragdolls and things like that. So the dynamic that exists now, as I imagine it, and maybe I could be wrong, but I don't think so. It wouldn't be much different. <laughs> there's nothing wrong. Like with the dynamic that Jay is painting, there's nothing wrong with necessarily clowning on your opponent. Cause look at the way the Usos do it. They do it almost like they're in a rap battle. You know, you've got a hype man where one Uso will just like one Uso will deliver a line and the other one will deliver a simile to that exact same line. Like you're probably staying in a hotel, a hotel. It's probably a two star like that kind of shit. I could see We've been a very before. similar. <laughs> oh, man. Shots fire. We, <laughs> I could see a very similar situation um, with Enzo and Cass where Cass delivers maybe poorly, but delivers a very straightforward um, line, and then Enzo adds the comedic part to it, but actually back them some wins. Like I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with having Enzo be the the comedic fodder to uh, Big Cass so long as they've got some actual backing because. Um, if we're talking strictly on aggression, I thought Big Cass seemed legitimately angry whenever he was, you know, stalking uh, Corey Graves, like standing over him at the announce table. And he didn't, he, he was off the microphone. He was delivering non mic mic work. He wasn't trying to spoon feed. But uh, go ahead, Lucas. But did, but did he, that's what I'm talking about, though. Did you notice the transformation in that night? That's why, to me, I like this idea of a much more aggressive, badass. Big cast because what you just saw and what you just described from Raw, that's not the big cast we get on a normal basis. I, I can tell you that much right now. They played that the role together though, down in NXT when they were in their yeah. feud with the revival. I it was it didn't last that long, but they dropped the comedy completely and they were like, these dudes are taking money out of our pockets and food off our table. It's time to get down to business. Turns out, you know, they didn't get down to business, but, you know. <laughs> they, Point is, they, they, they had good intentions. And they were Enzo, we've seen it before in promos. Like, in, in one promo, any given promo from Enzo, he will do the comedy routine, get the crowd hyped up, and then flip it at the end and turn it and, you know, end with a real serious punch. I'm telling you, it's possible. It's possible. It can happen. I guess I'm just in favor for something new and creative. I'm more intrigued of the possibility of a big cast transformation than I am with what we've already been seeing, like the status quo. And, and we all need, we all know Raw needs a desperate change. So if this change is somehow uh, Corey Graves managing a much more meaner and badass big cast, I'm all for it. See now, but, that's a oh, different that's a different thing though. Like, as I don't know if we're going there, Corey Graves mm -hmm. being the manager. But let me say this: um, Big Cass is not going to be my savior. I'm sorry. No, that that that's not. Yeah. Uh, uh. That's, I, I will never be in okay. such danger to the point where I look to Big Cass <laughs> like save me, please. <laughs> I, no, sorry. I think. Well, if you look at the fundamentals of what. Raw's problems is like who is the best babyface on that roster? Like nobody, who? nobody. That's why I feel like we need Big Cass to be a face. I, we need a good face. Why not be a joke? Like because we don't need Braun Strowman. Because we, we don't need a Braun Strowman type. Because we have Braun Strowman. We have Brock Lesnar there. Why not have a guy who's more like fun loving, a good genuine babyface? Like, I don't know. I think maybe that could be a good possibility because we have like no good babyfaces on Raw. Roman Reigns not a good babyface. Finn Balor, what's his character? Seth Rollins, what the hell is that? It's like it's, a, it's just, 
it's just I feel like there's Finn Balor's to... character is that he wears a leather jacket, and that sometimes he wears makeup. So, besides that, he looks cool in the leather jacket and the makeup, but you know, oh, but that's not character. It's it's yeah. something. It's a trait you do. I mean, cool, but I think we need a big baby face, and why not have Big Cass be the big baby face of Raw? I mean. And have Enzo be his hype man. There's nothing wrong with having a nice hype man when you can't talk that well and you should recognize your weaknesses and extenuate your positives kind of thing with Big Cass. Big Cass, big baby face, big boot. Boom. There we go. Boom. Put on a t-shirt. <laughs> okay. So, Justin, I heard you mention the word <laughs> fundamentals. Let's take this conversation into a different direction because me, you, and Lucas... We had a conversation on Twitter that started out with you saying that the buildup for CM Punk versus The Undertaker was the best buildup for a streak match at WrestleMania. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, I, and, and you said, and you said, don't at me. But I and added you. Consider yourself added. So, added. yeah, I, I added you. And my whole thing is, like, I responded back with Triple H versus The Undertaker in Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. Now, my thing with that is, I'm not necessarily saying that that's the best build for a WrestleMania match. All I'm saying is that that one was better than CM Punk. So all I needed was one match to go ahead and, you know, X out CM Punk versus The Undertaker. One thing that we found in having this conversation was that you and I have very different philosophies when it comes to professional wrestling. You lean towards the traditional elements of professional wrestling, the fundamentals of the business, good versus evil, and you looked at CM Punk versus The Undertaker as the picture-perfect image of what good versus evil was. Am I am, am I correct? You know, yes, I'm not misstating I, you? No, I you were totally right, and I see it as... Because you have to have the perfect villain for the perfect hero kind of a thing, and it kind of just meshed up well with the story they were presenting there. Where with I see Triple H and Taker's feud, if we're just going on that one, it's more of a... Two guys we like, and if I would you be really all that upset if Triple H were to beat the streak, kind of a thing? And I think that kind of defeats the purpose of what the streak was, where you never want the streak to end. You want to be on Taker's side winning every single time. If but I fed I, into the story that was established for Triple H versus The Undertaker, and I broke this down on Twitter, and it's very easy for anybody to see it, you have Undertaker retiring Shawn Michaels at mm -hmm. WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels comes back. And says, I have the fate of your streak in my hands because I am going to be the special guest referee. The man that you just retired is going to be the special guest referee where your streak is on the line. And guess what? In the match where your streak is on the line, you're going up against my best friend. In Hell in a Cell. In Hell in a Cell. And you take into account the fact that Triple H and Shawn Michaels, they are known to be degenerates. They are known mm -hmm. to screw people over and also with the corporate backing that Triple H has. That's set up to be a screw job. And mm -hmm. to me, that's good versus evil. That exactly. fits the mold. 
Yeah, and, but they never really painted Triple H as that villain, though, in this story. Here, okay, Justin, Justin. Okay, Justin. let's hear it. This is not about good guy versus bad guy. If you are to paint an image of pro wrestling where it's strictly just painting good guy versus bad guy, you're going to be fucking bored. Yeah, because every storyline is, is going to be the same thing. And you're losing out on so much when you basically force yourself into a corner. Because the thing that I disagreed with with Justin when he was talking about this he set this own criteria for himself, saying that for me, the streak needs to be about who is, you know, the epitome of evil and, you know, who gets me to a point where it's like, oh man, I really don't want to see that person in the streak. And he felt that they captured that with CM Punk more perfectly than any other match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Which, by the way, if I can interrupt, I would have to disagree with that one as well. Don't get me wrong; I don't want to. I don't want to make this about bash CM Punk versus Undertaker. But if there's, I mean, anyone... we can bash uh, CM Punk. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but my point is, if there's anyone who played the role of a villain as far as who you did not want to see beat the streak at all, that was Brock Lesnar, and no, he accomplished I that. I no, it, it was Brock. But anyway, I'm not going to make this a... terrible. Yeah, yeah no, 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 no. Okay, see, don't don't get me started, Justin. Don't get me what, started. What? You already know me and my thoughts on Brock Lesnar and Undertaker at WrestleMania. Like, but if you look, okay, I see what you're coming from. But at the same time, Brock Lesnar was not epitomized as this big evil guy. The fact that people were pissed about it was more not even storyline basis. Okay, it was like oh, part timer into this. We're not getting on that, but yeah. yeah so it's not the point that. is, it, it it's it's not about the streak per se. But what was revealed in the conversation is the different philosophies that we have with wrestling. Justin, to him, it's very important that you maintain that face versus heel, good versus evil dynamic. And I think that that's important as well. But I'm more flexible in a sense that I understand that there are different ways that you can tell a story in WWE. And I am not going to look at this story over here and say, okay, well, this one more perfectly captured what good versus evil was. This one over here, and it was a little vague. It was a little ambiguous. I'm going to go with the one that more uh, perfectly captured good versus evil. For me, the story is the story, no matter what the point is, because some stories have different points. Some stories have different objectives. One example that I can go to of WWE breaking the mold of good versus evil and I fucking loved this feud. Right around this time last year, Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles. Uh, there was not a good guy in that feud. There was not a bad guy in that feud. There were just two guys. You're right. Both of them were arrogant. Both of them were cocky. Both of them were complete assholes. And guess what? I loved nearly every single second of it because uh, they revealed themselves to be real human beings they had ambitions they had things that they wanted to accomplish you got this i want to take that from you motherfucker this is mine i earned this you're not taking this from me and then you incorporate all of the friends into it and all of those dynamics of the family and the relationships and things like that and you bring it together those are two Real people, two real flawed people battling. You will see something that closely resembles that more than you would the traditional elements of good and evil in society. Because if we're being completely honest, people who are all good and people who are all evil, they don't really exist. 
No. Yeah, it's just it's just like another it's like another piece of bread basically. <laughs> I don't I don't think the world breaks down necessarily into good versus evil all the no. time. There's yeah, a gray people, area right. with Everyone's a lot of characters. Complex. Exactly. That, it's yeah. it's nice. It's it's psychologically satisfying to see that when it shows up in the product, but it's mm-hmm. you can't always market a match around that. You can't always have characters that fit into that uh, all the time. And uh, it it is nice. It does it paints a nice picture. But I don't I don't think me personally, if I saw that every match, I'd be bored. Right. You know? But. And- and guess what's happening right now with the product? I mean, that's basically what it is every week. Actually, there's the no same... good guys, and it's just it, it's oh, no, they're, they're, it's what they're, that that what that's something completely different. See, yeah, Lucas, we, I knew it was gonna get to a point where you make me jump off the boat. <laughs> Here Wait, what go. did I say? What did I say it's, that was wrong? Like, it's, there's no that's not that dynamic. There's like nothing anymore. There's like heels who you don't believe in, and there's no baby faces that for me to like. No, but that's what I'm. No, but this is what I'm trying to say. WWE has become so watered down where they don't try and do anything different with the heels or the baby faces that now it's the same thing, the same formula okay, every I week, and that's why it's not working. That You guys, see, you got to let me finish my point. <laughs> and this goes back to my point on the CM Punk versus Undertaker being the best build feud. I, I have to back myself up. I'm not going to knock the Triple H Taker because it is a good build. I'm not saying it's not. I, just, I prefer a more clear-cut way where it's like CM Punk – because it, it kind of builds off the Triple H streak, where that one was kind of about respect at the same time. Taker saying you have to respect me and respect the purity of the streak, and Triple he was like Undertaker saying Sean was always better than you, and then Triple H having to prove himself. Like I like the idea. Wait, of what did Taker say? Taker's like Sean was always better than you. There he's, you go. And like, there you go. and then the second year, he says, "Remember when I told you Sean was better than you?" He's like, "He is," and he walks out the ring, and Triple H just look, and Sean's <laughs> smiling, and Triple H looks at him. Like, that's yeah, what don't you like about that? What don't I, you like about that? I'm not. I didn't say I didn't like. It. I say I, I get like that respect, and then it goes to the flip to the next year where it's about disrespect, kind of a thing. Where Punk does like, I don't give a fuck about your streak. I don't give about the fuck who mentored you, and I don't even care if I win it legitimately. I just want to make sure because no one's gonna care about how I got to the one. It's gonna be a, a matter of like I am the one, kind of a thing. And just like, and he did. He was the first opponent who faced Undertaker who was actually in Taker's head. More, and Taker wasn't in their head. Like, not really. Justin, so you're so you're cool with CM Punk just pouring out um, yeah. ashes on the ramp? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one of the highlights of it for you, right? No, I love I love it because he's like basically saying he's getting in Taker's head. Says, I don't give a fuck about anything except myself, and I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you one way or another. That's how it is. And that like, was like, that, that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I want to hear what you had to say. Oh, I was gonna say that that was a good storyline, but. The problem is what you're saying about Undertaker uh, having CM Punk in his head and all that. I, I I just I was not buying it that year, and especially because it was so obvious what the result was going to be. And I know this has nothing to do with the storyline, but how can you paint a picture of a storyline being exciting if the outcome for the real you know quote unquote hardcore hardcore fans if they already knew what the outcome was going to be, given the fact that Paul Bear had already you know died in in that same year, but with this right here, with uh, the storyline that Jay was describing earlier, that storyline gave you so many different angles, so many different And I would say too many angles at the same no, time. If you no, look at the because no. why was it end of an era? Why was it like why was it the hell like the hell? Like, there was a lot of story things where it didn't have to be this complicated. Because I like the story they were initially telling, where Triple H was like, "Well, I didn't win last year, but I beat Taker because I walked out. He didn't." That was a good starting point. 
then they added Shawn Michaels into it, which okay, nice. But then they add there was like too much going on, kind of a thing in the story. Mike, CM but Punk. That's good. Is, and it, and all, all those different things going too on. Convoluted when it's like at the same principle. It's just it's, but, I don't know. I felt listen, like it was like too much. You don't need to add all this extra to it. Like I'm not going to eat the ice cream at the end of the day if I enjoy my fucking steak as it is. Like it's just there sitting there. It's a waste of it, kind of a thing. But it's not necessary to be there. But the beauty about the beauty about that storyline, yes, it had a lot of things going on, but it all made sense because it all yes. added it all it. added mm-hmm. to something from the past. Well, it, and it, it all era, they all connected the that. dots at the end of the day. They all the, those three guys, they, they it's like they each correlated with each other, and that's why that storyline was beautiful because everything about it made sense. I don't know. It's just uh, you throw into like I feel like the, it was the marketing team had, like they were doing so much like they weren't confident and when they had no reason not to be confident in the story of the tongue so they're just adding so many caveats and like this is a big hell in a cell match here's JR to do commentary this is like an end of an era but the end of the attitude era because that's been over forever why what's the end what era see the thing here? about WWE is they throw that era bullshit around all it's the a time fail-safe. we see them <laughs> doing that now like and New era. that's a great example Again. because what year did that match take place? 2012. Yeah, so it was the end of an era then. So you would expect that, okay, an era ends and another one begins. So WWE is saying new era on Monday Night Raw every freaking week now. And I'm like, okay, yeah. is it a new era? Um, is it a new new era or is it the old new era from last year that you all were talking about or is it the same new era that you were talking about in the year 2012 it's like they do themselves a disservice yeah when they like, force like they things the service like, to that match too. yeah and when they force things like that but i'm not gonna let that affect the overall story uh that was told with I, but at the same time match. i feel like there's just too much going on in this story where it's like it's so is it more it about H? Like, like, if you're triple h is gonna be the one who ends the streak i don't know it's just if, i get the idea of like sean's like i'm gonna have the i could actually end the streak by not ending the streak but at the same time does that need to be there necessarily um, it fit though it like it it made sense it was a lot but it made sense i'm not gonna sit here and argue that it wasn't a lot it 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 most certainly was it it was like a trilogy to a movie you know what i'm saying like come on man the grand movie (laughs) but at the same time uh yeah that was a dark knight rises Oh my god, that's why I hated it. <laughs> well, Justin, like... I didn't hate it. I like that few. Like honestly, like at, at any, I'm a big story component. Like I think we all are here. Like my favorite uh, triple, like Sean Taker WrestleMania match is the second one. I prefer that over the first one, which had lack of story, and this one had more story to it. Whereas like Sean's like the heroin addict, and like I need to win for myself, and like I like that. That's more to it than just like oh I'm gonna beat the street kind of a thing. And that's why I really like the idea of Punk being like, oh, it's about Paul Bearer, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna use this to get Taker's head. Then the match itself, take, like Shane Punk's doing all kind of Taker stuff, showing that Taker can't do the stuff he can. He has Paul Heyman there, like which is his kind of Paul Bearer. And like there's that moment where he beats, t- where he Taker's going for a last ride, and Shane Punk uses the urn he's been mocking with to knock him out. And if I was thinking if we were gonna go crazy here, and I say maybe that should have been the point where the streak ended. No, think that's too crazy. Punk- Think of the heat Punk would have forever, and he could maybe even still be there. See, you're going, you're going back to that good guy, bad guy thing. I don't think. And what's wrong with that? Like the fundamentals of pro wrestling, Andre the Giant versus Hulk okay, Hogan. Let me. Bad guy, good guy. Great. And it's the biggest and most important match in history. Awesome. Probably. Let me sit here and tell you that my favorite match of all time 
Sasha Banks versus Bailey. I don't think that there's I yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. There is absolutely no question whatsoever who was on what side in that match. Bailey was the personification of wholesomeness, um and good. Big true to yourself kind of Sasha thing. Banks was the personification of well, I wouldn't necessarily say evil. It was more Bad, bad or not bad, bad. you know some, somewhere around there but i get it i understand what i'm saying though is i am open to variety i am not going to automatically go to the match that i believe personified this you know never ending battle between good versus evil it's important to maintain those elements in wrestling and it's important to do them well and i think that that's an issue that we get to in wwe today sometimes when because there's a difference between putting two people out there and saying okay you two we're not going to establish a role good or evil with either of you you're just going to be two real people out there just going out there and kicking ass and you know there's a difference between that versus saying we're going to have the crowd cheer for you or at least that's our intention and you're going to be the bad guy over here but the bad guy is the cool one the bad guy is the one that gets the crowd to pop and things like that and the, the I have a good guy with that entirely. is lame as hell so yeah that's a that issue is going to come up at a point in time where society is so freaking complex and we have lived through so many anti-heroes and so many guys oh my god (laughs) like (laughs) even outside of wrestling like i watch sons of anarchy i watch um breaking bad you have people like Jax. you have people like walter white you have the characters on game of thrones all of them motherfuckers are murderers you know and yet you like them yeah there's no real, you know, 100% good person there. It's just people that are complex and interesting, and you choose to like them or not. I think that there's some value in stories being told like that. Like, I, I understand that, but I'm just at the point, because it's not like a big secret that Stone Cold Steve Austin is not my favorite kind of character, because I, if you look at the story with him and Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon was totally in the right the entire time with <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. I find that problematic. I prefer Hulk Hogan over Stone Cold Steve you Austin. You join that company pref- line, man. I prefer John Cena over Stone Cold Steve Austin. I prefer the I, I everyone else has kind of been like, oh, I don't like Sami Zayn, like kind of Aaron Colden, but I think Sami Zayn is like the best, like the best no. kind of babyface in the world where he's well, going to do good things. He's I will good. say, Sami Zayn is the closest person in wwe to being you know completely wholesome because bailey she she dropped that shit like no nah. <laughs> I'm, I'm done That's... with her a lot yeah. of things fell off with bailey she got, she got sassy and you know smart mouthed and you know started you know, with the, breaking the rules to win a match like Sami Zayn's never done that like like he would hit a referee and then like check on him like that's what i want <laughs> in wrestling like, he's like like he's conflicted about it because like well, that match with neville is one of the best wrestling oh. matches in the 20 years. Yes, but, love that. Like, it's, and can it's I just go ahead and say that Neville was not necessarily 
heel heel no, he, like he, but he, he was still he, like i'm willing to do anything to win and it's like that it's like the, that's why i think it has such good parallels to ba- bailey and sasha where it's mm-hmm. like i'm going to do whatever it takes to win and i'm going to do what i have to do to win and same as like i'm not going to change myself to do this that's why i can i can do it as i am and like i like that idea like it's a good like i get more involved with stuff like that where it's more like the human condition like would you change to do it kind of a thing and not so much like oh i hate the boss Hell yeah! What the thing? The thing is with Stone Cold though, he was for the working man. Like he was for the blue collar asshole. Yeah, yeah. As I said, as I just told you, there. Most people in society are not good or evil. They fall somewhere in between, and there are a lot of people out there. Their boss simply existing makes them want to whoop their ass. So seeing somebody who likes to drink beer like they do, who likes to curse (laughs) like they do, kick their boss's ass on TV every week. That was a fantasy come to life for those people. And and Justin, I'm going to, hold on, Justin, I'm I'm, going to use your own argument against you, but. Please do, I do that a lot. But, (laughs) but, hear me out here. I got you. I think the only time you're, on your uh, your argument works, good guy versus bad guy in wrestling is when it's utilized with the two people that fit those roles perfectly. Mm-hmm. And on the last time we ever got to see anything similar to that of greatness was with Daniel Bryan as the biggest baby face on the roster at one point going up against Triple H at WrestleMania. That is the last time I could truly sit here and tell you that the dynamic of a good guy versus bad guy storyline in wrestling actually worked. And and that's why I think it's rare nowadays to find to find enjoyment out of those kind of storylines because it's just so overused, it's so outdated, and the problem is if it's not working with the two people playing those roles, people are just going to crap all over it. And that's the pro- that's the problem with today's product is that there is no variety. There, there, there's no uh, uniqueness in each storyline. Everything just seems like it's, you know, dry and, and and the same formula is used, which is why I have a problem with what you're trying to argue here. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you were to use the example of Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, you wouldn't be getting an argument from me. But the fact that you're trying to say that everything about wrestling, or or mostly. All of this with wrestling has to be that way. Good guy versus bad guy. That's where I have a problem. Like, I am always at the standpoint where it's like wrestling is at its best when it sticks to that formula. Like, Kevin Owens, when he was, like, big, bad, I'm going to just injure people and get what I want. That's Kevin Owens at his best. Not the jokey, like, oh, uh, I'm on the list or, like, all this stuff. Like, him and Sami Zayn's feud is one of the best ideas of bad, good kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I want more of that in wrestling. I don't want so much, like, this Roman – like. Cause I kind of disagree with you, Jay, on AJ Styles not being the good guy in that feud with Roman Reigns. Because there was a point where, like, hit him with the chair. Like, the club's telling him to hit him with the chair, and, like, AJ couldn't do it. Because, like, this isn't the way to do this. And I, I like that dynamic. But what happens? AJ Styles turned into an asshole after that. Well, that that has no bearing on that feud, though, necessarily. But, he was but an asshole stuff, it, in the feud. Yeah, he kind of was, actually. And if you go back to the match, the actual matches they had, AJ Styles was like, you know what? I'm going to fuck this guy up. Mm-hmm. And because I like that, I that was both. there was a point in time where AJ was struggling. He was in that same um, position that Sami Zayn was, but AJ chose to go the other way. He was like, you know what? Can I get a little bit evil? Yeah, but I, and, and the funny thing is, it didn't work out for him like it worked out for Sami. But that's beside the point. 
As a side yeah, point. it worked out a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, maybe he should have been good. You know, he, yeah, he would have been the champion yeah. a little earlier. But yeah, yeah, but um, and I it goes right back to the Taker thing overall. I think the Taker's feud, because let's be real, Taker's like streak thing didn't get good until he faced Randy Orton. Let's be real. Let's be totally honest there. Like everything else was just like kind of like, oh, there's a streak, kind of whatever. Then like they put emphasis on it there. And I think those matches work best when you don't want Taker to like when it takers like the good person and you don't want the streak to end by just by Randy Orton being like a douchebag. You don't want that. And like, Batista, like Mark Henry one, we can ignore Batista was a good one because it was, cause that's a good versus good guy feud, but that was more about the title. And like, but he's like, I'm not losing my title for this, but it's that there's nothing a little bit more than that. Then you go further on like Shawn Michaels, heaven versus hell. Okay. I like the idea of that. And hell won over, which is well, odd. But, and then, what, what I, you've just broken down, though, Justin, is that, like, yeah, for that specific purpose, for the purpose of Undertaker's streak, you're right. That works because that's what the streak is built upon. You want Taker to be the hero. But what worked for Taker's streak and the booking of it doesn't necessarily apply to the whole of booking wrestling matches uh, by and large. But right. That's why I stick to the point with CM Punk Taker where that's just the best pure example of where you don't want this guy to well, – it's hard to say because Punk was so fucking popular with people, but if you're looking at the story that was written and taking it for what it is, like giving yourself to the story kind of a thing, it was the most like you don't want Punk. Like who wants to take, take a streak to end of the guy who's insulting them, his mentor's grave, not giving a giving a real big respect to the streak, just caring about himself. Like that's the worst but, possible option than just maybe a screw job from Triple H and Shawn Michaels. She realized Triple H respects the Undertaker. Can I just go ahead and say this? And maybe this is where, uh, you know, I'm talking about um, <laughs> me jumping off the boat away from Lucas. Shit, maybe this is a point where you jump off the boat away from me. If you talk about giving yourself away to the story, um, Bray Wyatt versus Undertaker was a fucking awesome story. Yes, it was. I agree entirely. I think it's just... A- CM Punk was a huge benefactor by the fact that... Uh... Paul Bear did pass away. Yes, William I Moody. I, I forgot to bring that. The caveat was, I have no idea what the fuck that story was going to be before that point. <laughs> but it, it was one of the few times where WWE actually changed gears quickly and turned it well. It didn't turn out to be Jinder Mahal becoming WWE champion. It was more just like, oh, let's flip gears and do that. Like, let's make it into a story and use it. But, and that's one of the few examples of that. Like, I have no idea what that feud would have been. But the fact that it happened, I can't knock it for it because it was, it's a good way to, once again, you know, respect Paul Bear. It's a good way to respect the streak. And it's good to get a good bad guy in CM Punk. I think everybody benefited from this story, regardless of the outcome of the story, because at the end of the day, Taker wins, but Punk was the first one to get in his head, and Punk was really good in what he did. I don't think there was anybody who looked bad at this. And the same could be same with Triple H, Sean, and Taker, but at the same time, it's just so much going on. It's hard to process. Like, okay, they're holding hands at the end, like this is the end of an era. I, what, I, I don't quite get... It's well, a trilogy. It's the end to a chapter. They said it themselves. I mean, in much exaggerated words, but that's what the point of a story is. You know, it's got to have a conclusion. It's got to have an exclamation. So it's self-indulgent for Sean and Triple H is what you're saying. That was fan service at the end with them, you know, all hugged up and all that shit. It comes down to it that it's built upon great moments. And like, like as everyone's, it's been stated since uh, the streak's been broken, how people have gone back and looked at the this the Hell in a Cell match where they hit the super kick into a pedigree. You think the mm-hmm. streak's over? Like the way to do it. But I feel like Punk does that even better. Like think he's using the urn he's mocking you with, hits Taker in the head with it. What if the streak were to end right there? No, like, no. That story right there resonates See, far more. 
screw job. I but think. that's not that's... a story. That you're you're looking at it from an angle of for CM Punk basically benefiting off of that. That's no, it's not even that. that... The story is Taker lost the streak by mock. Like it's the yeah, ultimate that's... like grubby little thing to do, isn't it? It's like the most. No, you know what would be the do. most ultimate bad guy thing to do? What you just described with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and the right. I, I still don't understand why you're not seeing that. Just I, like I'll a screw job dead. versus a weapon shot. Because you're right. using, like, come on. Because you're using all takers like good things about him and just mocking. Like Paul Bearer was your big what propped you up into the business. What your big thing was, he used it to beat you. Like I think and that's here's, a visual here's something like, where storytelling. I think, but it's, it's not dramatic. And it is though. No, what? it's not. The only thing not as dramatic. dramatic as if he were to, if he pinned him but there, it, it would have been perfect. See, I don't think anyone could honestly get lost in that, and you know, suspend the, disbelief to believe that the streak could have ended with CM Punk hitting the Undertaker over the head with a goddamn urn. I think. I think why. I think why Triple H. I think why Triple H and Sean doing the super kick and pedigree combo is better and more encompassing is because here's something where you don't have to suspend disbelief because sure the visual i will give you this justin the visuals of uh cm punk hitting undertaker with the urn and the irony of too. the the irony of that is just astounding but here's something where the political backing supersedes taker's gimmick like mm-hmm. the fact that we know triple h and Shawn michaels are the kind of people that could conceivably do this yes they respect taker at the end of the day you know the outcome because we've seen it already. But they are the people that have a history of doing this kind of thing in a company right. that has done this kind of thing. It's all the key characters are there, and I don't care what weapon is in the ring, whether it's Taker's urn, his casket, or whatever. Here are people that are willing to screw you over for the sake of shock value. I think that rates a little bit higher than a headshot with an urn. It, it wasn't and, just Dalton, shock and, Dalton, value. and Dalton, what you just said, also why this adds even more points to the storyline was because of exactly what you just said. Shawn Michaels and Triple H are known to be the backstage politicians from before. You know, they're best friends, which actually makes it even more realistic. But it mm-hmm. but it adds to it. It makes it even more it's fucking realistic. Oh, sure, but if you won't get that just by watching the story as pre- presented and, like, written on the show, you won't get that. It's like, implied. Oh, it's implied. implied. Because... We all know who Triple H is. At Come on. Time, He's the cerebral time. assassin. If you get the story. There's nobody like, oh, man, Triple H used to, you know, bury Booker T. Like, no one's thinking that. If you that yes, they are. The way That's that they the struck, the way that they structured the story is to imply that so people like us get it. They don't have to specifically lay out everything on TV we know what's going on. We know what Triple H means when he says, oh, I'm going to bury Daniel Bryan. And we know what he means when he, you know, takes shots at people and, you know, yeah. uh, saying that, oh, I'm going to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I'm going to beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania and, 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 and shit like that. We understand all of the implications oh, okay. in those words because we know who Triple H is based off of what we've uh, some of the stuff that we've seen actually on WWE TV and all of the stories that we've read in the wrestling, you know, dirt sheets and stuff like that. So they don't have to break it down for us and, you know, hold our hand through it. But we get it. We know what's going on. 
Like, exactly. okay, that's fine. But I once again have to state I do really like the feud with Triple H and Taker. I do. I think it's a great story. It's not. It's. I just think Punk and they did what the fundamentals of wrestling is a little bit better. That's why I gravitate towards it more. And I think what you're getting lost on is like I feel like you're like picking and choosing spots. And when you understand the feud, because the the last promo they cut together, I rewatched it in preparation for this actually. And okay. Punk and, Missed the research <laughs> here. I did because I wanted to think about and the first Triple H like. Shawn Michaels came out and said, I'm the special referee, patted Triple H on the back. Triple H looked upset about that. Then the final promo they had together, all three of them, before WrestleMania 28, Triple H comes out and says, no matter how big Shawn's ego is, this isn't about him. It's about you and me, and I'm going to be the one to put you down because we both, our parallel careers coincide. And, like, it's like the idea of, like, oh, they're coercing to get it together, it's, like, it's a component there, but it's not the overarching story until the match itself. Because Triple H is very... No, it's part of the story. The, the reason why WWE did that with creating the tension between uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels was just to add another element to the story. Because exactly. what that did was it introduced some friction between those two where Triple H was looking at him like, okay, realize that while you may be the referee, I am going to be the person that ends the streak. And Shawn Michaels, with his ego, he's looking at it like, okay, well, technically I'm retired, but I can still end the streak if I'm the one who's directly involved with the ending of the match. I can be the one that ends the streak. So that was done just to add another wrinkle to the story but the mm -hmm. you know the triple h and Shawn michaels together screwing over the undertaker that was still a big part of the story that, that's why I, I said earlier there was so many aspects to the storyline you could go so many different angles like it didn't even necessarily have to be a screw job you could have had Shawn michaels screw both of them over and just force triple h to beat undertaker via his decision you know what i mean so that's why this like, there was just so much leading into this at that time. It's like, oh. I just argue that it was too much. And that the focus. No, like, but that's good. Like, I don't know if it is because I don't. Like, sometimes, like, with wrestling, I'm not asking for these big overarching plots because they usually fumble upon themselves. This, this is one of the rare instances where they didn't just collapse on themselves. It actually worked out. So I give them. I, once again, I love the feud. I love the match. I just think it's just, there's a lot too much going on. And, like, at the end of the day, Taker's streak was important, but I feel like Taker wasn't that big of a player in the story either. What? Like, the whole storyline was surrendered about, around the streak. Yeah, but at the same time, it's about, oh, Shawn Michaels is this and Triple H is that. And like it wasn't like this where it's one thing, one thing, and it's about the streak ending and what ways you can do it. Like There's just too much going on. And where Taker feels like kind of the afterthought of that entire story. It really does feel when, even though he's the crux of how the feud started where he's like, I have to beat Triple H to prove that last week, year, where, like when he beat me down, I couldn't walk. Like that's a good enough story on its own. And why couldn't we just like? See, wrestling like, is all about being um, over the top, yeah, and right. larger than life. And I think that doing the things that they did in that feud, it captured that. Hell, cracking the Undertaker over the head with a damn urn. That's larger than life. You spilling ashes all over the friggin' place. That's larger than life as well. Like you could say, yeah, I'm not arguing. For you that. Could, I'm just saying, but you could like say, you could say that the story for the Undertaker versus CM Punk was big enough before the urn was introduced in it. Like you could say that. Yes, I could. Uh, you know, 
but at the same time it's, <laughs> but it's, i won't <laughs> but no i just no but i'm looking at the, i wasn't on because i was talking about basically how the story's kind of like all over the place in this big overarching thing where it doesn't necessarily have to be that way and it kind of it's just too much and it's like it's a nice thing to have sure but i don't necessarily need it for this i don't know i guess i'm having like Justin, a disconnect with that justin i want i want to bring something up that you said earlier because right, i ahead. think I kind of, I think you kind of just shot yourself in the foot by saying. Oh, I do this. that all the time. I need oh, another foot. <laughs> here, no, but but earlier, 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 you said that the the storyline between Undertaker, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels was mostly centered around the tension uh, involving Shawn and Triple H, and Undertaker was kind of in the background. You could say the same thing about Undertaker and CM Punk right. because if, if you remember that feud, Undertaker was barely even existent during that road to WrestleMania. CM Punk was basically on the microphone every fucking week, running his mouth, talking about how he's going to end the streak. That's all you honestly can remember about that feud. So for you to say that Undertaker was not in the spotlight as much the year prior to that, you could say the same, and probably even more, you could say the same thing about Undertaker versus CM Punk. I don't qualify. I'm talking about story presentation. Like, Taker's a big component of the story with him and CM Punk, where, like, they're kind of on foot. Even, like, Punk wants something. Taker doesn't want him to have it. Like, disrespect. Like, I have to make sure this motherfucker doesn't walk anymore kind of a thing because of what he's doing to me. Like, the story's all there. Taker doesn't have to be there for that story to work. Like, the same with Bray Wyatt. What? That story... The story of Bray Wyatt huh? works, and Taker's not there, and Bray Wyatt's doing all the work, but necessarily, but still about Taker at the end of the day. Well, no, the one with Bray Wyatt worked, and I don't even want to get into that, but I'll tell you later <laughs> why. That anyway, I want to stay on touch with with this right here because how the hell can you say that for Undertaker to not be there, uh, still made the storyline great between him and Punk? That's just bogus for you to say that. Taker I mean, doesn't have to say anything. The story is and what his facial expression is and what you because it's obvious. Like it doesn't but, take a rocket. But you could also know, like, but you could also argue that the man who brought flaw. me to the business. But like, you could also argue there's a flaw in that storyline. That's not that a, flaw is a flaw. story. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Wait, wait, Justin. You just said Taker doesn't have to be there. One of the biggest points about Sean and Sean Triple H and Taker was that Taker hit Triple H in the nuts with the Sean was always better than you comment. Like yeah. that. So he does need exactly. to be there. Yeah. No, he, <laughs> he doesn't does. do that I, with Punk. It does, does he need to do that? It's not going to make sense. Like, oh, Sean's better than you see in Punk. Oh, damn. No, <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying the characters. Are the same. I'm saying. I'm saying Undertaker didn't have like a nutshot comment that might have. He know, did too, because it was about Punk being inside Taker's head, and this was Taker's. Because before Taker says like he's walking out of the ring accepting defeat, but then he's like, ah. I'm going to get back to everybody so I can be inside his head because every single one of Taker's feuds, when the street got big, when he faced Jordan, was always Taker's and the point of his entrance kind of thing, where it's like he's always in their head. But Punk was the first one to be like, no, I'm in your head now. I'm in control. I'm taking control from you. And I'm going to own because that's the entire story. Like that, when Taker's lights go up, you watch the match. It's a great match. Go back. What's the underrated match, too? But See, Taker's like hit. He does something nobody else has ever done. He laughs and he's like, "Yeah, bring him out here." And he's not like a coward heel either. Where he's like, he wants an ass beating because he knows he's gonna beat Taker by doing that. He's like, See, he's not like, oh, I gotta run. I have to do this. Like, no, he's like slapping Taker. He's like, come on, hit me, man. Get it, beat my ass. Let's go. Justin, so there's what? Well, well, let me just go ahead and say this to you, Justin. I see a whole hell of a lot more value in the way that you just argued in favor of the Undertaker versus CM Punk right there than simply saying that perfectly encapsulated, you know, the fundamental elements of wrestling and good versus evil. Like, because that is just, when you're talking about good versus evil, that's just the structure of the story. When you're talking about 
Undertaker is usually in other people's heads and now his opponent was in his that's the story itself so i see something there and you know changing up the dynamic as i said you know every now and again could be a good thing whether it be you know switching up you know uh, the power that one person has and you know giving it to their opponent this time around or going outside and you know telling stories like you would see in ufc or something like that two people out there just don't like each other want to whoop each other's ass and man like i'm not saying there's no value in i want to see i just match. prefer bad guy good guy kind of i don't like the whole middle ground what because it's hard for me to, i want to invest into a good guy kind of thing like i want Why to can't invest you just in, want to see people fight like i do that i enjoy that believe me i was watching the nba finals i wanted fights to break out but <laughs> i do want a fight to break out but at the same time i do want a good story with the context of like good versus evil. Like I, Batman v Superman is so muddled because it's like but, but a lot of reasons. But yeah, <laughs> a lot of, but Civil War, like Lucas was saying, like there's a lot going on. But at the end of the day, neither of them are villains. Baron Zemo's the villain, and he's actually an interesting villain in his approach. Like he, he's what he's but doing. What, but but what but was the, the biggest story he, in he, the movie? Yeah, exactly. That that guy was not the star of the movie. It was Captain he America. Didn't need to be. It was Captain America versus Iron Man. Two people exactly. with you know their own agendas and you could say one person is right the other person is wrong or and there are many people who will disagree with you but the point is there were two people that had different philosophies about things and they wanted to kick each other's asses and they went head to head and i think that that worked that dynamic between those two and I, I agree too but it helps with that villain like in his like i think there's merit to him and people like i don't know like, I like the idea that it wasn't just, the, oh, we're going to fight over conflict. And so, like, this guy pulled the strings and played them. Is kind of, a, I like that in, more component more than just, like, oh, I believe in this accords. I do not. Let's fight. And then, like, he's like, okay, if that wasn't going to be good enough, I'm going to use Bucky killing Tony's parents. Like, he's pulling the strings and manufacturing it to get his set. Like, I think he gets, that's why I really like him as a villain. I think he's one of the big standouts of the Marvel villains kind of a thing. And I need that a little bit more than just like, hey, let's fight, like the airplane fight, where people are like, oh, I love that fight. I'm like, it's over nothing at the same The ending fight has more going on for it, which I'm always going to be in favor of a good story at the end of the day. See, the villain in Civil War tied everything together, but the meat of that movie was Captain America versus Iron Man. And it was able to sustain itself with those two. Like I said, the villain tied it together, but much of the movie was between them as two individuals and, you know, their respective teams. So stuff like that does work. And shit, we see it in the UFC all the time. There's no big bad in the UFC. There are guys that you like, guys that you want to see them get their ass kicked, and it's up to you to decide. I don't think that we should restrict ourselves to face versus heel because that is not... A perfect model we've said it already on this show before you know you that can get you in trouble that that's not a sure bet it's not a sure bet but the writing has to back it like i'm always like like you said civil war works on that component and like triple h sean taker that all it works i think when as i've said before wrestling's at its best when it has a good guy bad guy and things happen like one of the best feuds in, in the last few years in wwe was roman reigns versus aj styles but at the same time, it was like, but I would honestly take Bailey. John versus Cena versus AJ that. Styles, who are also uh, John two... Cena's a good. Don't come on, don't don't play me where it's like John what? Cena's a baby face. 
Except what? when he's in the feud with Rusev, Cena's always a face. <laughs> Can't you not tell me Cena's not the ide- ideal face of a company or like baby face because he is. He's always like never give up, always stay true to yourself. He's Hulk Hogan, of, except kind of better than Hulk Hogan. Actually, a lot better. <laughs> what? You know what? This like is I a perfect you. time to end the show because I. Mm. Like I told you on Twitter, Justin. Like I told you on Twitter, Justin. The best stories are the ones that can write themselves, and the fans basically carry on with it. And I just, I disagree. I would take uh, Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan versus AJ Styles versus Roman Reigns any day of the week. What a hipster! Were you around <laughs> for that? Were you even around for that? Did you no, watch? Shit, I, I wasn't it? even around for that, and I'm older than all <laughs> I grew up y'all. on it. Damn it. Okay, better for you. Uh, I'll take a Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn over Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles. But the thing is... It doesn't negate it's good. You're like, not going to get Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn all the damn time. You're not. It'd be great. It would. Oh, what? It's, it's, actually, it isn't because they fight well, all the time. Well, technically, yeah. let me, let, <laughs> we will get Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn all the fucking time. What I yeah. meant, because we've seen that match a million times by now. What I meant is we're not going to get that NXT feud all the time. Like That's every important. time you have a baby face versus a heel, good versus evil, it's not always going to reach the heights of Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. And why did that feud work? Because there were chapters, much like there were chapters in Taker versus Triple H with Shawn Michaels as a referee, whereas with Punk and Taker, for example, there were no previous chapters. So exactly, you see how, and it see works this... so well on its own. Uh, it? no, but not compared to the other storyline. I'm in sorry. Fact, I think seeing what CM Punk and Taker accomplished in one buildup, and it took them that long to get to that point. So I think there's a lot to be said there too. Like Punk didn't have the time of like everything else, but it's still I think it's a better and like what a Taker feud should be for Mania before the streak ended. I That's think this I, has more to do with you complimenting CM Punk than it does. The it really does not. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, like, those, those CM Punk fans love to force his ass in every single conversation that they possibly just, can. Don't rope me in that, Jay. Come on. CM just, Punk, he's the reason why Daniel Bryan was a champion. CM Punk, the he's the reason for the Shield. He's the reason for the women's revolution. Um, How'd they figure that one? <laughs> CM Punk is the reason why the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. But I will say, I don't want to be roped in that because I will say, before the CM Punk Taker match, the one I stamped was the best Taker WrestleMania feed was Randy Orton. I, I've, and Taker kind of superseded that. Because I think CM Punk ending the streak in the way he would have is it overshadows if Randy were to beat it kind of a thing. Like, the bad, like, oh my goodness, this is the thing you, the optimal option you don't want to happen when it comes to Taker's streak. And then people got pissed in the next year and Brock Lesnar beat him. But whatever, that's a different story for a different day. So. Hmm. Well, that is it for the show. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week um, at some time. This is, huh. you know, this is a roaming a nomad podcast. We don't, we don't have a home. Nice word choice. We're, we're, we're all over the place. But we are working on some stuff behind the scenes for PWF Empire. Some very exciting things. A lot to look forward to. Until then, catch you later. Peace.